Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Another weekend, another Marvel movie coming out in theaters. And this one is none other than Thor's new movie where he has Gore the God Butcher involved. So to discuss that movie and a number of the other movies involving Marvel and DC and their war on God is none other than the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. Well, Chad, we're at a time uh, when the Bible warns that they'll be turning to false gods. In the book of Revelation, it talks about how uh, one of the things that takes place in Revelation chapter 9 is the trumpet judgments. And after all these severe judgments, it says that most of the world, or it says they, speaking of the world system, they still refuse to repent of their worship of idols or false gods. And right now we have Marvel, uh, who's, you know, the Avengers series, the top genre in the entire history of humanity now in, in movies, really promoting a lot of false gods, just as we saw coming and we've been warning about for some time. So now you have Thor, a Greek god, and many other gods being exalted over the one true god. Yeah, no, it is something, you know, very common. It's very interesting. You brought up, uh, you know, Revelation chapter 9, because so many people right now, and I know this isn't a script, but we'll let people join in uh, as as we get into talking about this. So many people have seen the things, you know, July 5th with uh, CERN uh, and so forth, and they thought, hey, man, this is, I watched videos online this week from different, you know, ministry channels, and I don't think they're doing much for the gospel, but they're talking about how this is the bottomless pit that CERN is opening up this week, uh, you know, and so forth. So, you know, tomorrow's 5-11 News uh, will be discussing that and specifically thinking about that. And I think that so many people, just from an end times understanding, as many people are joining on live for the chat here, I, I think so many people get such a, a misunderstanding of the book of Revelation and they will take things from whatever's in the newspapers, and now next thing you know, they're going to interpret the book of Revelation through what's happening in the newspapers. Right. But but Joe, and and guys, and I want to encourage you guys, this is a great time to, to plug it. Joe did a, an entire video we did called Racing Through Revelation, where Joe went succinctly one chapter after the next, all the way through the book of Revelation. And I would encourage you guys to check that out. And it's a great maybe precursor. You're like, hey, I have a tough time understanding the book of Revelation. It's a great precursor to get you ready to study. And we also have a number of teachings, Joe. And you can just go to Blessed Hope Chapel and you can go through, man, there's over 100 teachings, I believe, on there uh, just for the book of Revelation you've been yeah, going we've through. Yeah, have actually done hundreds. So. Well, I know you've done more than hundreds because you were doing Revelation long before I even came to Christ. So uh, <laughs> you already did a whole series uh, through that. And such an important series, guys, especially with everything going on, because we don't want to have anything. And this is something, Joe, if we're talking about church history, this is something that has happened where people have allowed the situation, whether it's amillennialism, whether it's postmillennialism, where they have allowed those things around them, the structures that are happening, uh, whatever is going on in Rome or whatever it may be, and allowed that to dictate how they're reading scripture. And I think that it's a great time to kind of plug that so you guys can check that out because that is really important and to have those series to go through because 
you know, when you go through Revelation 9, you know, when it talks about the bottomless pit, and as you were you were talking about as well, right before that, we have multiple, we have four different trumpet judgments that have to yeah. come before that takes place. That's uh, right, bro. But uh, just exciting. Yet. No, we are, we are not quite of, there yet. There's plenty of demons wreaking havoc without that happening yet. No, I think that's a really good point. There are plenty of demons wreaking havoc, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, because... The truth is, a lot of people, and and it's interesting, you see this, and and we've been now doing this, and typically, what we want to do is remind you guys of the series that we have out, part one, and actually, guys, just a sneak peek into what's going on on our side, part two of Marvel and DC's War on God, the first one being the Antichrist agenda, part two, we are going to be sitting down, Pastor Joe, myself, Josh, Tommy, um, I think probably Doug and Tony as well, all the Good Fight team next Friday, and we're going to be watching the first edited version of part two, which means after we look at it, see where, you know, things we can fix and stuff, Joe, uh, we'll be able to get that out to you guys soon enough. So that's pretty yeah, exciting. Yeah, we're excited. We're on the cusp. We're really close. And part one shook a lot of people up. Part two will definitely do it more. No, amen. And this is the importance, and I and I hope you guys are grasping the reason why we're doing this is to share the gospel, one. And number two, guys, if you just go on YouTube and find apologists and Christians, and guess what? They love themselves some Marvel and DC. And these are our brothers in Christ, a lot of them, and some of them are just very ignorant to what is going on. And so we want some sanctification being brought about. Yeah, it's absolutely heartbreaking because the scriptures have a lot to say about false gods, and they would be promoted uh, we, we don't look to what's going on out there. We look to what the Word says and what the Word says would be happening. And it certainly is happening. And the Scriptures are very, very clear that there would be not only Satan, and the, you know, but the demonic realm in the form of false gods would be highly promoted. And that even as Jannies and Jambres says, the last days, terrible times will come. Where men will be, uh, for men will be lovers of self, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, inconvenient, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And it talks about how these false teachers or people just come in and creep in to the homes of people who are easily led astray, and they'll turn them away from the truth. And it says, even as Jannies and Jambres, those were the magicians, Chad, that were promoting the false gods of Egypt. Uh, these men will do it. They'll, they'll use magic. They'll use, you know, occult power to promote lies. And right now there are, we've been looking at, I mean, we show in our expose, uh, you know, Marvel and DC's War on God. And we, we continue to show this in our upcoming videos uh, where the top writers admit being involved with satanic forces. I mean, we're talking about the two top writers, uh, you know, Alan Moore and Grant Morrison, uh, two, the two top voted you know, writers of the last four years by Comic Book Review fans, which is the biggest comic uh, fan site online. And both those guys practice Crowley's magic and are both both are being used by demonic entities. And we can go to number three, Stan Lee, and we that all gets unfolded in our next video, which is on Iron, uh, I'm sorry, which is on Doctor Strange and Crowley and so forth and, and WandaVision, all the stuff that's really popular right now. But it's crazy because some of these false gods are being promoted through Marvel and through DC. And what's crazy is Christians are promoting these movies as though these are good when they're actually, for instance, the movie coming out tomorrow. It exalts and honors Thor. And it's not the Lord Jesus Christ who's the Savior. Thor in that movie, Chad, is the Savior. You know, And we show in our last video, uh, we show that Thor is actually a picture of Satan. He actually is thrown out of heaven for being proud and arrogant. Sound familiar? 
You know, uh, Satan said, I'll be like the most high God. He was thrown out of heaven and so forth. And we do some stuff on Thor then. We'll be doing more stuff on Thor uh, later as well. But uh, now he's exalted and he's presented as the Savior. Where it's kind of interesting because in this movie, Gore, you know, the God butcher, uh, he basically, he's evil and he's in some ways a picture of Christ. He dies and how long, Chad, is it later that he rises from the dead? Yeah, three days. Three days? It sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, so, again, we have a lot of this Gnostic inversion, and I'm sure we'll get into all that, but it's probably important to talk about just the idea of false gods being promoted right now in, in through these movies. Yeah, and that's that's the big thing here, and I think people don't realize how permeated the church is with it and how hard it can be having young children and so forth that become such fans of these you know superheroes and not realize that... It is such a dangerous game to play with them, especially with their fantasies and their emotions and so forth. And it, it is very, very difficult. And when you have people you look up to, even spiritually, and they're huge fans of so much of these Marvel universes and so forth, it's really important to recognize it and to point it out. And and that's why this exists. That's why we're doing this show is we want to be obedient to the scriptures and exposing this wickedness. And, of course, it's disgraceful to even speak about those things. But guess what? What does the Bible say? Exactly what we're trying to do in this show. But all things become visible when they're exposed by the light for everything that becomes visible right. is no, light. You know, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, Ephesians 5.11. Uh, you know, in Scripture, God makes it clear over and over again. And this is very, very important that we understand how serious this is before the Lord. Uh, because these false gods lead people away from the one true God. When you go online, there's all kinds of people that are following these false gods for real, okay? And they exalt these comics. And a lot of these people were introduced to these gods through Marvel, through DC. They actually credit, say, wow, I became introduced to these, these gods, and now I worship the Norse gods now, or now I'm worshiping Set, or I'm worshiping whoever. And what's interesting is the, the, the most repeated, I try to tell people, you know the most repeated command that's broken throughout Scripture that God condemns people for over and over again more than any other sin it's idolatry i mean it's throughout the old and the new testament condemned because god says that the greatest commandment jesus said is thou shalt worship the lord thy god with all thy heart and thy soul and thy, thy mind and thy strength and the very first of the ten commandments is that we'd have no other gods before him right chad yeah. so and it's interesting to listen to what the lord says this is important it, it, and this is in exodus chapter 23 he says and by the way the trailer you know the trailer says, not in God we trust, in God's but name. in God's, with these beautiful graphics, in God's, plural, we trust. Well, guess what God's word says about worshiping other gods, or trusting them, or even mentioning their names in a in a positive way. In Exodus chapter 23, it says, God, Yahweh, the one true God, who created the heavens and the earth, he said, make no mention of thy name, of the name of other gods, neither let it be heard out of thy mouth. Make no mention of the names of other gods, neither allow them to be mentioned out of your mouth. The only way scripturally, so we're not even supposed to be saying the names of these false gods unless we are exposing them, unless we are warning people about them so they can identify what and who they are. And that's interesting because the same prophet, you know, uh, the same scripture and the prophets that warn against, for instance, uttering their names, are allowed to do it by God for the sake of exposing them. But we're not supposed to speak of Thor in a cavalier way. We're not supposed to speak of Zeus as though Zeus is cool or, or oh, he's just fictional or what have you. You know, the God, not, of course those gods are false gods, but really the Bible tells us that there are demonic entities behind the gods. 
You see, and Chad, I think that's so important that people grasp this. Yeah, there's, the Bible says, while there are many called gods and there are many that are worshiped as God, the apostle says, he says, for us, there's really only one true God in Corinthians. But he also tells us that these false gods are used by, whether you're worshiping a stump or you're worshiping gods at a totem pole or you're, you're worshiping whatever you're worshiping, the Bible tells us that real fallen satanic or demonic entities, fallen angels, use those things to get worship for themselves. It's important to understand that when Satan took Jesus up to a high mountain, it says in Matthew chapter 4 and in Luke chapter 4, that he showed him all the kingdoms of the earth in a moment's time. He said, bow down and worship me, and I'll give you power over all these kingdoms. And Jesus said, it is written. He says, you know, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God alone and serve him only. Get behind me, Satan, right? But it said he showed him in Luke 4 in a moment's time a vision of what he could have. And Jesus didn't say, well, Satan, you actually have no power over these kingdoms. No, we read in Revelation chapter 13 that Satan gives the, who's called the dragon there, gives his, gives his power to the beast and that he will rule over all nations, people, and tongues. Of course, God in his sovereignty allows this to happen because he's testing us. Who are you going to follow, the one true God, or are you going to follow Satan? But listen to what the Bible says about these fallen angels and how these fallen angelic beings and these idols and the gods that the nations worship, whether it was Zeus or it was Thor, uh, the Bible refers to these as satanic beings. In fact, it's interesting, where Zeus was predominantly worshipped there at Thyatira, you see up there uh, on the mountain a huge idol. There stood a big idol of, of Zeus in a pantheon of these Greek gods. And Jesus said uh, to the church at Thyatira, I know where you live, where you, where you dwell, even where Satan's throne is. Mm. And it's kind of interesting when you think of it like that, is, is the, 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 the unbelievers, those who are following the Greek gods, we're following these demon gods. And it's interesting, we read in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 7, of, of the people who were sacrificing to these gods. They sacrificed to false gods, which are not gods, gods they had not known, gods they had recently appeared, gods your ancestors did not fear. Psalm 96 says, for the gods of the nations are idols. The Septuagint, the Greek Septuagint, says the gods of the nations are demons, but it's the Lord who made the heavens. And now look what it says about the false gods. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 11 says, I'm sorry, Jeremiah 10, 11. They, these gods who did not make the heavens and the earth, and that would be every other god, so-called god, they will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. And that's, that's amazing when you think about it. Now listen, Paul makes it really, really clear, Chad. makes it really, really clear that these false gods and these idols are really demonic entities. He says, what do I mean then? That a thing sacrificed to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to become a sharer in demons. God doesn't want us to go to movies that promote false gods either and be sharers in demons. Paul goes on to say, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? We are not stronger than he, are we? And in Isaiah 42, it talks about these fallen angels. And it says, So it will happen in that day that the Lord will punish the hosts of heaven on high, these false gods, and the kings of the earth. And it says, They will be gathered together like prisoners in the dungeon and will be confined in prison. And after many days, they will be punished. Second Peter 2 Peter 2.4 speaks of many of them who are already locked up, who are waiting final judgment. It says, For if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them down to hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness, to be kept until the judgment. And in Jude 6, it says, And the angels that did not keep their own domain, 
right? But abandoned their proper abode. God has kept them under darkness to be reserved for the judgment of the great day, this final great judgment. And ultimately, even Satan himself, we read in Revelation 20, 10, and the devil who deceived them, he's the head of all these false gods. Just like Zeus was the head of the pantheon, he just represented Satan, the head of all these false gods. And the devil who deceived them, that is the devil who deceives the lost world, was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also. They had already been cast there a thousand years earlier, and they were still there. They weren't annihilated. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So, Chad, to worship these false gods, they're, they're going to be doomed in the end. And as Christians, we should not even be mentioning their names unless we're exposing them to warn people against them. Yeah, and, and it's interesting that you bring up that point because I think that's an important point to drive home, even from the Ephesians 5 text. Um, you know, like it, when it talks about sin earlier in that chapter where it shouldn't be named among you, but then he's naming what the sins yeah. are because he's Amen. naming them in a negative fashion in the same way that when we expose, it's shameful to even have to talk about these things, but we do so to bring it to light so that what does verse 14 says? Christ will arise and shine in people's hearts. And that's Amen. our goal. That's Amen. the goal of all our instruction that we want to make sure that people come to Christ, that they have a sincere faith, that they actually know Christ, that a love from a pure heart and a sincere faith. And we, we, we want that for people. And these things are, some of which I believe, as you mentioned, are just sin, let alone the encumbrance that is weighing people down yeah. in running their race with endurance. And that's not what we want for you. We, I don't believe that's what Christ's ultimate goal for you is to have a weak walk weighed down by the sins of this world where you look at these false gods, you look at these movies that are being put out, that these are the things you're excited for and the premieres and so forth that are coming out. And these things are what you get excited about. It breaks my heart that that can be so common. And so we want to point these things out for the wicked thing that it is. And, and guys, if you haven't seen um, the first part of Marvel and DC's War on God, the Antichrist Agenda, I want to encourage you guys, just go to MarvelDCExposed.com. You can grab that there. Guys, it or is powerful. Or goodfight.org. Yeah, goodfight.org makes it easy. If you can't find it, you can find it on there. And and it's so, so important. We want to get this out so we can share the gospel with people, guys. This is great to share with the lost. And and so we want to get that into the hands of some people. And guys, with the, these, these new movies coming out and these blockbusters and these, you know, during the summer, that's when a lot of times the summer movies and you got to get out Friday nights and now it's Thursday day. They're basically most, a lot of people have already seen this movie. Probably almost probably over a million people have probably seen this movie uh, already. And and Joe, from the starting point, and you mentioned Thor, and in the uh, the Antichrist agenda in part one of Marvel and DC's War on God, and with Thor, you see right away some pictures, some typological pictures that they're using of a great fall and so forth, where it really is something that is seemingly the acceptance of the Antichrist agenda. And Thor is right at the forefront of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's imperative that we realize, uh, as I mentioned, not only has he shown falling and being thrown out of heaven by his, by, by his, you know, the one he came from, which is such a picture. God creates Satan and he throws him out of heaven. And it's because of his arrogance, arrogance you know, and his pride. But, uh, you know, then, of course, now he becomes the savior in this new movie. You know, Thor basically, you know, Saves and there's a resurrection that takes place later as well. Not only we're not just talking about Gore, but uh, Foster and so forth. Or I should say, you know, it, I don't. It, it, well, I don't get it totally into the movie because we want to get into Gore as well. And I know we've talked a little bit about these worshiping these gods or even mentioning them by name. But uh, we're going to probably transition a little bit to also talk about uh, the writer of the author behind 
Gore the God Butcher. I mean, by the way, when I hear the term Gore the God Butcher, it makes me think of other writers, you know, like like Whedon, you know. Joss uh, Whedon, yeah. Yeah, Joss Whedon, who basically declared, you know, straight up, and he's did the first couple of Avenger movies or so, or Spider-Man and so forth, not just directing, but actually writing. But he's the guy who basically gets an award of a humanist award, cultural humanist award, there at Harvard, which was supposed to be was a Christian school originally, and basically blasphemes God and says, and he he basically talks about how we're writing a different code, trying to write a different more code, so we don't have to have the God bully, the sky bully, yeah. the, you know, the sky bully, tell us what we're supposed to do, and that's quite interesting because we're talking about maltheism and misotheism, which is uh, basically uh, mis. Theos is a, a Greek term. It's a Greek adjective, which means God-hater. And it's interesting because the guy who stands behind the author, the guy who wrote uh, the story behind Gore, the God Butcher, uh, even in articles where he's talked about it with, by comic buffs, the people that have no view, of, you know, no outspoken view of God, they talk about how he's more of, you know, he's more of like a malthusist or what have you, because he seems very anti-God. Yeah, that seems to be the case for Jason Aaron, who invented the character. Yeah. Gore the God Butcher. This is one of the more modern characters uh, in in terms of the Marvel Universe and in, in terms of the comic book series. And when it, when it comes to this with Jason Aaron, and, and you've you've mentioned it already, that he's more Malthus. He does seem like he has a hatred towards God. In fact, his big outbreak in terms of how he got onto the scene of actually writing comic books and having his own runs uh, was a contest that he won. And it was regarding Wolverine. And he said most of the people that were writing these comics... Basically, they were writing Wolverine, drunk at a bar, getting in a fight and stuff. But his was different because then he all of a sudden has a question about God out in the, the trees, so to speak, with a woman. And so that's why he got chosen. And that's what he's made his calling card on, coming against God in different ways and in different forms. But also he himself has made his, his calling in really poking at and over and over again, making audiences, whether they're visually or whether they're reading his comics and so forth, but taking supervillains and making them, giving them a soft side. I mean, wicked, wicked people, murders and butchers and Jason Voorhees and so forth, and giving them a soft side. That's what he has been known for. But it's interesting that when it comes to this new film with Thor and Gore the God Butcher, bringing in Christian Bale here, and before we even get into Gore the God Butcher himself, when it comes to Christian Bale, this isn't his first time, in, in fact, making remarks, and this one is on the basis of an entire character, but making remarks against the one true God. Because if you remember, he played Moses. And interestingly enough, another character in this very film with Thor, you have Russell Crowe, who also played yep. Noah, both of which when interviewing about not only the character both of which playing, we've exposed before 100 percent two different articles that we have on our page as well as in uh, two different videos we have uh regarding the noah movie that came out and even a track that we have as well um we have that on our good fight site you can check those out as well we'll put a link in the description after the live stream is over but you can check that out but over and over again russell crowe came out with statements against not only moses basically calling him crazy but also against god himself yeah. and basically, how terrible the character basically calling god, god evil he, yeah. It's exactly what he did. Which is similar to what? Which is exactly <laughs> what Mr. Christian Bale did. Because this is what Christian Bale uh, had to say. He said, He, Moses, was a very troubled and tumultuous man and mercurial. But the biggest surprise was the nature of God. He was equally very mercurial. And I'm, I'm sorry, but talk about the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> if yeah. anyone was ever caught... No kidding. ...as being an absolute lunatic... 
It was none other than Christian Bale on uh, set. Rus- Russell Crowe, by the and, way, too, but go on. <laughs> yeah, Russell Crowe. That's another story. Uh, yeah, Russell Crowe, Christian Bale. You have these guys talking about how angry some people are. When they're unrighteous anger, I mean, Russell Crowe throws phones at people. It's been yeah. the butt of every joke, right? And then you have, of course, Christian Bale here who was caught on camera, well, actually the audio version of it, screaming on set over a set designer who makes nothing. Yeah. Uh, Mani- a, maniacally, yeah. Just absolutely just wicked and evil. And it, it's crazy that you see this, but then that was his statement. That was his view on God. But honestly, Joe, when it comes to getting into Gore the God Butcher, it seems like these statements, his feelings toward God, he now gets to act that out as Gore the God Butcher. Yeah, and it's quite crazy, too, when you, you talk about God being, you know, mercurial. Uh, he is the God who is, you know, abounding in loving kindness. Slow to anger, abounding love and kindness. We find that, by the way, that that scriptural truth repeated in Chronicles, Psalms, Job, over and over again. One of the most repeated statements about who God is and his nature. I mean, before he finally destroyed the Canaanites, he told uh, Abraham that he was going to allow them to exist for 400 more years until they filled up the measure. Actually, you know, over 400 years. Yeah. Until they finished up the, finished up the, or filled up the measure of their wickedness. They were sacrificing their children in the fire. Uh, they were, you know, committing incest and bestiality. I mean, kind of what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. God even gave them time. And they got became more and more wicked. And so it's interesting because uh, it would seem like God could win, but he does win every time because you have two sides of it. On the other hand, sometimes you have the prophet saying, how long, O oh God, until you avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Yeah, Meaning, the how come you're being so patient? Don't you care? Aren't you good? And others just say, how come you're destroying evil? Aren't you good? Well, wait a minute. <laughs> You know, what gives here? Well, the thing is, is God's perfect. We see through a glass darkly. The Bible says God sees everything and he knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning and so forth. And he's full of patience. And in fact, that's why we still live right now. That's why, Amen. you know, thank God we both got saved and, and came to know Jesus before he judged us. Because I know I deserved it. I know Chad deserved it as well. Yeah. We both, you know, I love you, Chad, but we both oh, had wicked yeah. lifestyles before know, we came to Christ. Deserve. And we deserve to be just wiped out. But the Bible says God's patient you know, with us, not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And and Chad, I just think of the scriptures where it says, in God, in James 1, there's no shadow of turning, that he's absolutely perfect, that first John, God is light, him, and there's no darkness at all. He created the entire universe, you guys, okay? I mean, this is a powerful, wonderful God. He's the one that paints every sunset you see. He's the one that's given us life, and he's given us the ability to have joy if we seek him and know him. Yeah, no, and that's that's a huge thing when we're discussing all of this is recognizing, one, where you would be with ultimately getting the judgment that you deserve, but then recognizing that that was placed on Jesus himself so that we can have salvation. And I know something I praise God all the time for. I praise God that he did not come back before I was saved. Right? Amen. Second Same Peter here. 3, verse 9. He is not slow concerning his promise, but he's patient, not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And I don't know about you, but I praise God that I still have the opportunity to be sitting on here with, you know, we have a few hundred people on here watching the live stream. Maybe a lot of you are saved. Probably a lot of you guys are saved. But maybe there are a few that don't know Christ just yet. And I praise God that right now they still have breath. And because God, it says God holds their very breath in his hand. So I praise God for that, that they have that opportunity. And that includes also for the writer of Gore the God Butcher, for creating this character who is... I believe the entire character, Joe, is a polemic against God. And this is not the first time that he's been like this. Oh, in yeah. fact, one article that I read regarding one of the characters um, in the Marvel Grindhouse special for Ghost Rider, it says, Johnny's fights with new enemies in, in the form of heaven. 
Yeah, it's a ham-fisted spectacle of Aaron, the writer, of the same guy who created Gore the God Butcher, flipping the bird against his Baptist roots. But there's more. Christian roots, yeah. Yep. It asks people to think and to doubt. If angels are the only one are are the ones who always win, doesn't that make them more threatening than demons? Did they try? Uh, they did try to recruit the Punisher, the angels that tried to recruit him in his series. But this has been. Once again, when we look at Gore, and we'll talk about the character of Gore the God Butcher, the comic book version now with, made into cinematic, uh, the universe here, and we see over and over again, it's a polemic against God's character. And it's one of those situations, Joe, that when you see the battle going on, it, it is so interesting because there are no good guys. You have a false god in Thor, yeah. and then you have Gore the God Butcher, who truly is th- this idea, and when we get into it, you're going to see... This guy, the whole thing is about God not really caring. I believe it's a hit on what we call divine hiddenness in apologetics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so when we look at it and we see that and recognize, guys, this is a this is a time where you recognize where the enemy is putting doubts. Think about how many kids are gonna go watch this. Think about how many young kids are gonna go watch this. Their parents' favorite thing is Thor, whatever. And now these question marks that are gonna come against God's character, which is exactly what Satan did. Has God said? Can yeah. you really trust who God is? That's right. Does he really care? You know, all of this stuff, we need to recognize it so that we can nip it in the bud and we can say, no, 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 this is wrong. And this guy, this this writer who wrote all this and the actor that's playing it and so forth, these guys hate God and they don't know the one true God. And because of that, you're seeing that come out on the big screen. Yeah, absolutely. And Chad, you had mentioned how uh, he makes his characters sympathetic, the evil mm-hmm. characters, yeah. the you know, the god butchering type characters. And uh, even that article that you're quoting from, they have a head. One of their headings is basically he makes you know his characters very sympathetic, and it reminded me of Sympathy for the Devil. You know, oh yeah, uh, and you know inspired. I mean, written by the Rolling Stones, uh, Keith Richards, who wrote most of their songs. I think uh, uh, you know the lead singer there, Mick Jagger, had actually written Sympathy for the Devil. But he says when the Stones get together, when they write their songs, he says it's like sticking your finger in the air and we're mediums, and it's like a séance. He says all the songs just coming through us. And what kind of songs? Albums like their Satanic Majesty's Request, Sympathy for the Devil. And Satan's channeling those lyrics through demonic entities because he wants sympathy. And he's using uh, Jason Aaron to give sympathy toward characters like the God Butcher to where you got to feel sorry for him, you know, because he lost family members. He, he He's hurt, you know. No wonder he hates God, you know. Rather than and Now, obviously, it gives you a false pretext as to who God is. God in this is not the creator of the universe, you know, the uncreated creator of all things who loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son, uh, they don't want to show that. They don't want to show the one true God. They want to show caricatures of of the one true God and then blast those guys and then exalt them like, you know, uh, Thor, you know, through the movie and what have you. But the but the frame of reference that many of the young people, and you're right, Chad, you're exactly right, the frame of reference in, here in the United States where these movies, you know, get so much traction and where they're actually done, uh, the reference that many young people have is their Christian upbringings, is, yeah. is the Bible, is is their Christian concept of God. And we go through trials, and sometimes people say, where is God, and so forth. And we've all been through trials, even the psalmist, you know. Uh, but again, the, the, the concept of divine hiddenness and uh, how God reveals himself in Scripture, part of this, a big part of it is a test. We are being tested mm-hmm. by the one true God. And of course, Satan wants to say, you know, where is he, you know? No, I, th- I think that's true, and and when we look into the history of Gore the God Butcher, uh, specifically, as Joe had already mentioned, the sad upbringing, the sympathetic uh, point where 
Gore actually became an atheist for a very short time, actually, yeah. in the series. Before he realized there were gods. Yeah. Before he realized there were Which gods. Which is true of every atheist, by the way. Yeah, that's Eventually, true. they all recognize there's a guy. <laughs> that, that's a fact. And there's something that happened to him, and it's kind of interesting, because something that happened to him, and I think we can get into this a little bit when we get more into some of the divine hiddenness, the answers that we get from Scripture, obviously. But when you see what happens and what takes place with Gore the God Butcher, he has his mother die, he has his his wife who is pregnant with his child die and then you have him saying the gods don't care about us he's from a terrible wasteland where they never have food mm-hmm. and all of this stuff and then you see him i just don't believe that the gods are real and if they basically if they did exist they don't care about us at all and that's even one of the lines actually and we'll yeah, talk about that towards the end where he writes he writes all the gods off so to speak but then he sees two gods fighting and one yeah. is injured and that's when he kills his first god and then he gets to absorb the all part of the all black from Noel, yeah. from Noel, and he gets to now be this powerful, you know, character. And wield the Necro Sword, which is a god killing sword, and and now, by the way, it's kind of a trip, right? Because guess what? He becomes, in a way, he becomes his own god. Yeah, and he wants to rewrite all of history. And isn't that what every atheist is doing? There's, there's, so, it's so obvious the universe didn't just create itself out of nothing. That's not science at all, folks. I'm sure you know that. Uh, but nothing doesn't bring forth anything. But what happens with the atheists in the book of Revelation, everybody comes to believe in God when the judgments are coming. And those who are anti-God, they don't say he doesn't exist. Read the book of Revelation, man. They begin to blaspheme him because they cannot doubt his judgments and, and, and the reality because God makes himself so clear there. But they become they all become malthus, those who don't turn to the one true God. Yeah, no, 100%. And one of the things that happens with Gore, the God Butcher, when you look through his history there written by Jason Aaron is that he actually, not only does he become worshipped by his own wife, he finds love again and gets worshipped, and then because he gets worshipped, he then kills his wife, and then his son turns his back on him and then goes and worships, worships Thor. Thor, yeah. And, and Which then, gives Thor power. 100%, yeah. And, and Thor actually ends up receiving power because all the gods end up worshipping Thor. Mm-hmm. And because Gore receives all of this worship, he now has power to stop the God-killing atom bomb that was going to kill all gods. Yeah, the God bomb. Yeah. The God bomb that he was yeah. going to get to kill all the gods. And then he has this, you know, now, guess what? Thor is now the savior once again. The fallen yeah. angel becomes a savior. So once, Just like Gnosticism, right? <laughs> just like Gnosticism. So when we look at it, guys, you cannot have a good guy in this story. Because you have... No, you can't. You have people made in the image of Satan, and that's who ends up receiving the worship... And then you have this Maltheus, right, who hates gods. And by the way, him meeting God only makes him hate them all the more and want yeah. to kill them. And guess what, guys? When we read scripture, we see over and over again throughout, you talked about Chronicles. We They saw God's hand at work. You saw, you can read through the book of Exodus. You What, yeah. did the, what happened with the Pharaoh? Mm-hmm. Every time he saw God's hand at work, his heart hardened, his heart hardened. He hardened his heart over and over again. This idea that people have in their head, well, if God just did this and wrote, hey, I'm here, and, you know, write, written by God, I'm the one who did this, uh, then, I, then I would worship him. It's a lie. We know it. It's been proven yeah. in history. It is not true. God became a man and did all kinds of miracles That's before exactly the people, right. and they crucified him. That's exactly right. God already became a man, and not only did he do that, but how many times through the history of Israel, through the Exodus, through all of that, and did Israel then turn their heart completely to them, or... When they made a covenant with the God who took them out of Egypt on the very honeymoon, 
He was, they were out making another god to worship. Who they called Yahweh, but they wanted him to be made in their image of what they wanted. Now both. Right, and yeah. they rose up Golden to play, yeah. which is an English way of translating the Hebrew, which really means they went up, they, they worshiped these idols, and they do have an orgy and all yeah. kinds of, you know, wicked practices. And that's what people do. They don't want to submit to God. And we have quotes from many, many atheists, leading atheists, who admitted that they don't want to give God a loophole, that they don't want to suppress their wicked desires, things of that nature. Uh, Huxley, you know, one of the, you know, Aldous Huxley. Aldous yeah. Huxley. Well, actually, his, uh, yeah, he uh, he basically pointed out that, you know, the, the whole free love movement and so forth, we didn't want to squelch that, man, and believing in God and having an existence of God in our in our understanding. We wouldn't be able to do the, all the things that they ended up doing, you know. So that's really crazy. With regard to Jason Aaron, who wrote this, uh, Jason Aaron, he did an interview with uh, Pop Pop Tick, and in this interview, he talked about their new comic, and that he was writing, he talks about him and the guy that drew the comic, and this he had said he'd been working on for about a decade or so, been wanting to do it for a long time, it was in his heart, you know, and well, guess what, it was called The God, you know, God, D-A-M-N-E-D, that's the name of the comic, right, and Jason Aaron, the writer, the author of the comic, who also is the one behind Gore, the God Butcher, uh, we read in the, uh, in the in the interview, Image Comic published uh, the book, the God blanked in Old Testament and Old Testament story drenched in a crude grude, and crude and poetic. It was crude and poetic, of course. It's a twisting of God's word. Then it says God, D-A-M-N-E-D, is a violent and incredibly gory story and follows expected people like Cain and Noah from the Hebrew Bible stories. The first story arc follows Cain as the protagonist. Who's the protagonist in a story? You know, the protagonist is typically the hero. And what does this remind you of, Chad, when you take these Old Testament guys and make them heroes? It reminds us of Gnosticism again, because the Gnostics yeah. took Satan and they turned him into Sophia, who was a revelator to set her free from Yahweh, who was the evil god. This was, the in the first century, the greatest threat to the early Christians was Gnosticism, as well as the latter part of the first century, second century, third century. Gnosticism was rewriting the Bible and turning it inside out and, and, and just, you know, up was down, down was up. And Satan becomes Sophia, who whispers to Eve through the serpent, you can be a god. And it's a good thing. And Cain, uh, because he opposed Yahweh, he's a good guy. And Yahweh is evil. And that's what happens. So it's interesting. The guy who's created the God Butcher, uh, Jason Aaron, he makes God uh, in uh, this comic, at least the first uh, several issues, he is the hero or the protagonist. Uh, the protagonist is frequently known as the hero of the story, and the antagonist, of course, is the villain. And the article goes on to say, there was a lot of back-and-forth discussion about what the book should be called before the potentially controversial God, D-A-M-N-E-D, title was landed upon. Aaron explained, that is Jason Aaron, uh, the first arc is called Before the Flood, uh, which is originally the name of the series as a whole, while God blank was the title of the first arc. It comes from my fascination, he says, with the Bible and with Bible stories. He says, and, and I wanted to combine that with the kind of stories that I do, which is anti-God, right? Uh, there are parts of the biblical stories, some of the characters you'll recognize. Some seem very different than how you learn the story in Sunday school. Well, yeah, that's for sure. You got a Satanist or a guy that has affinity toward uh, promoting darkness, writing it, right? The idea behind God blank had been hanging around Aaron in this article and Aaron's head for about a decade. 
and it goes on. It says, and he says, it's something I've hung on to ever since, and I've just been waiting for the right opportunity and the right collaborator because Vertigo rejected it. You know, now all this anti-God stuff is very popular or more acceptable where it wasn't so acceptable in the past. Yeah, that seems to be the place that we've gone. You know, there was even someone on the chat here saying that it's actually a great story and that actually there's love at the end and so forth. Which story is he talking about? Right here, Thor, the, the oh, yeah. story of Gore the God Butcher. And this is exactly what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's getting deceived, thinking, oh, wow. You know, it's like you've got a devil and a demon, okay, and they're at war with each other. And, it's, and at the end, the devil or the demon does something really heroic. And you're like, oh, what a beautiful story. It's like, do you realize God warns that these are false gods? These represent false gods. And faith in these false gods or promoting them and exalting them is not God's will. No, 100%. And it would be similar to, you know, watching in Second Chronicles 20, uh, 31 through 35, when you see that the, the enemies actually started killing each other. And then picking a side and be like, actually, this is great. This is great. The only good part about that is that God's the one who ultimately wins in that. And when they began singing and praising the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the enemy, and the enemy actually went after each other. And that's what they're doing here. But the difference is, is that they are making the one true God and making those polemics of not caring. They're making it look like the one of the Bible, that he's the one who yeah. doesn't care. But then you'll find out that these false gods, they really care about you. Yeah. All right, and they'll really be the ones that help. It's the same thing at the the very the introduction of uh, of Marvel and DC's War on God. The Antichrist agenda is a starting place of watch. This is what happens. They'll show you over and over again who's going to come by their side to help them out. It's not Jesus. It's not the one in the Lord's prayer, right? That she's crying out. Aunt May is praying out because no, who's going to save her? It's going to be Spider Man, right? Who's the one that they serve? It's not Jesus. That'd yeah. be come on, give me a break. It's not Jesus over and over again. No, th this is exactly what's going on. It's propaganda. And it's propaganda, and people are simply being deluded when it comes to these things. And if we are sitting back trying to find the nuggets of good detail in this wickedness, I think exactly the text, and I know a lot of guys are on live stream and hopping on now, that you mentioned from Exodus, when it talks about those false gods and not naming them, do not name them in some positive light. And that's what people are doing and then saying, well, let's put lipstick on this demonic pig and let's give it a kiss. And I think it's something that God ultimately hates. Yeah, there were all kinds of good twists and turns it would seem in pagan stories. That's why they got repeated over and over again. Mythologies, the Greek mythology and Egyptian mythology and so forth were things that people would point out. Oh, wasn't this great? But you don't see God's word exalting uh, these storylines and saying, well, it's okay to get into these gods and their stories just as long as you can find something redeeming in them. No, he tells us to, I mean, what did they do with their books of magic? Millions of dollars worth of magic books in, in Acts chapter 19, verse 19, they burned them. They were worth millions of dollars, the church at Ephesus, when Paul had, when they were exposed for what they were. And of course, they could find pages within pages, even sections in these books of magic that might seem like they were altruistic. Oh, well, this spell is for something good. No, you know, the root of it is wicked and where it leads you is wicked. And by the way, that's how deception works. Satan comes as the angel of light, right? The Bible says, no marvel for Satan himself uh, transforms himself into angel of light. Therefore, it's no uh, surprise that his ministers transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. But they bring a different Jesus. They bring a different gospel, a different spirit. That same chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And so, because, wow, wow, man, Satan, I mean, there's some, he, he, there's some beautiful things in Satanism or in the occult. Those are lies. It's what Johanna Michelson had called the beautiful side of evil when she got caught up in and evil. So we've got to really watch out for those deceptions. By the way, ultimately, you know, 
he's promoting the power of Satan in a lot of his work. Uh, in fact, right now, it's been going on the last uh, year and a half or two now or so, uh, Jason Aarons is the one who is the one who introduced uh, that whole story arc in Marvel uh, with the Avengers where Tony Starks goes back into the past and he's tempted by Mephisto, uh, a.k.a. you know Satan, the devil, he's called many names in Marvel Comics, and he goes through a series of three temptations, you know, in the cave, you remember that? And then eventually, man, he's like, basically I can't beat him, you know, and he talks about joining him. And then he's brought back into the future, but not the future total, but just a few years before he had gained such notoriety. And it shows him, remember, he's like this young boy, nine years old or so, and he's at this party and he sees his father, Howard Stark. Howard Stark is there uh, at a satanic party, a millionaire's club of different millionaires have tons of money. And he's checking out his dad and others with Satan there, selling their souls to Satan for power. And he doesn't sell his soul. He basically sells his son, which is, you know, Tony uh, Starks. Stark. So he gets sold to him for the future. And then he's told, well, how do you think you became such a smart guy? How do you think your dad became such a smart guy? And that's, and we reveal this in part one of our expose. We show clips from, we show, you know, a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, uh, snapshots and a bunch of, a bunch of captions of the comics and this going on where basically this is Jason, by the way, this is Jason Aaron. This is his, what he's done. He's basically glorifying Satan. And by the way, what he's done with this whole thing, this shows you how much power he has at Marvel right now. He's basically shown that Mephisto or Satan is behind all he got, most, pretty much all these different gods and people in the Marvel universe. And he's basically the god with the power. And of course, you know, Yahweh, the Lord Jesus Christ, Where's he at, you know? Well, of course, of course, uh, Aaron is all about exalting Satan, you know, or dark figures and denigrating Christ and God's word. Yeah, and, that's, and so ultimately you have the power source of the good guys now through Jason Aaron, now getting it all from Satan, which is actually what, you know, we've been saying all yeah, along. That's right. <laughs> exactly what's actually happening, but they're going back and doing this and people are saying, but there's, there's love. There's yeah, and love. the whole irony yeah. of this, is yeah. we show that even top writers like Grant Morrison, who's way more popular writer than, for instance, Aaron, right? Yeah. That he admits that he practiced Crowley's magic and got powers, uh, occult powers, and became this incredible writer and so forth. Well, one of the top writers of you know for Marvel and DC, that's interesting is he talks about, and we show this in our first video, uh, which came out just a couple months ago, two, three months ago now. We show him talking to people about how he can become a great actor. And through practicing his mad, this is Crowley type magic and other types of magic, and how you can take pictures of of you know, for instance, a flash uh, from the Hermes. comics, and, and and basically summon Hermes, the spirit of Hermes, another god, by the way, which they recognize. They know these are demonic entities, I believe. But guess what? The irony is the guy who plays Iron Man, right, Robert Downey Jr. says before he became Iron Man, we expose this and we we show him what he says in the interview. He says, yeah, I got pictures of, you know, I got pictures of uh, Iron Man out before I got the part, before I tried out for the part. Man, and if Aleister Crowley had a little brother, he says, the Satanist Aleister Crowley, I was the S-H-I-T. I was him. I was the guy. And he's like, and then he practiced it. And sure enough, he said he used a sunstone wand. And, you know, it's the most intense ritualistic magic ceremony he had ever done. And guess what? The rest is history. He becomes the biggest actor in the world. Well, guess what? There's such irony here, Right. And he becomes the hero, and he's a practitioner of occult practices. No, oh, amen. And and here's the thing, guys. The, one of the reasons that I think that this one, at least 
I know for myself and for Joe as well, it, that it really kind of bothered me is the understanding that they're coming against the character of God. Because we have come to know him as as God and Amen. know him for how good he is and how gracious he has been to us in our walks, bringing, calling us to himself and sanctifying us, continuing to sanctify us, growing us. And, and so it breaks my heart to see that. So then when I see lines, even in the trailer, Joe, that specifically say this, something along these lines, make sure we know that the gods only care. He makes sure, I'm sorry, gods only care about themselves. Yeah. That the gods only care about themselves. And just that statement being said, knowing Philippians 2, knowing yeah, that Jesus in Christ humbled himself, mm-hmm. took on the form of a bondservant, a doulos, the lowest form of a servant possible in the Greek language, the lowest form of servant. Not only did Amen, he die, bro. he died a death on a cross, and this is a caricature what they're trying to make of God as if he said, doesn't care about anyone else when that's the lengths that Jesus went to. And Joe, if there's anything that gets under my skin, it's it's this. Yeah, absolutely. And both of us were uh, agnostic slash atheist wavering between the two uh, godless opinions. We were, uh, I believe there was something, but I didn't know what it was, but I was very anti the God of the Bible. And when I became a Christian and realized I'd opened myself up to the very satanic forces that we're exposing now, when I came to Christ and realized what I had done and that when I cried out to him in the midst of one of my occult experiences and he delivered me like that, when I hit my knees and started and, and, and began to follow him and say, I want to follow you, and I knew because I was a lot like Jason Aaron's. I look at that stuff and it's like, that's a dime a dozen, man. There's, he's going to stand before God. It's better that a large millstone be hung around your neck, Jason, and you be thrown in the depths of the sea than what's going to happen to you. That's why we implore you to repent. I was you, you know, we were, we were you. We were lost, you know. And whoever you are that's out there that doesn't know the one true God, I mean, come on, you have consciousness. How conscious rocks don't have consciousness. Where do you get that? Come on, man. You can appreciate beauty. Can you can you can think? You can you can do math. You can you can write. You can appreciate love and so forth. And you see one beautiful sunset, one beautiful sunrise. Uh, the, the birds, the trees. The, God's giving you thousands of taste buds and put them on your tongue. Okay, if you're going to be so anti-God, why do you even why do you even use the tongue He gave you to appreciate food? We should start appreciating our Creator. But most of all, God gave Himself for us, and it's like, well, there's suffering in the world. Well, guess what? Yes, because we've turned. That's on us. We turned away from God. We've rebelled against Him. But the crazy thing is, is Chad, you mentioned Him becoming a doulos. Is is the most amazing thing to me is that this God, the one true God, He revealed Himself and He entered into the greatest suffering that anybody could possibly experience. Because it's the greatest love story ever told. He gave himself for you and paid for the crimes that you committed against him. The incredible irony here and the incredible twist of the story is the most incredible. Hollywood can't even touch this story because it's too deep and too beautiful. And every and all the fabricated stories after that have tried to emulate or capture the story in some way but point people away from the one true God who's fulfilled that. In fact, it's interesting. That actual quote, Chad, and you, pretty, you got it pretty close. It says, the only one, this is what the God Butcher says in the trailer. You're not watch the movie in the trailer the god butcher says the only one who uh, the gods care about is themselves so this is my vow all gods will die so he says the gods only care about themselves and that's true that's true of satan and the fallen angels and the false gods the bible says of these false gods are demonic entities they possess people 
uh, before Jesus expels these demonic entities from people, oftentimes they're casting kids in the fire. Uh, they're behind, uh, the, they're the rulers of the darkness of this world, the spiritual wickedness in high places. They work through the children of disobedience to bring forth evil. So they're very narcissistic beings. In fact, Satan, Jesus said, is a father of lies and a murderer from the beginning. Jesus said in John 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So yeah, they are narcissistic. They are evil, except all but the one, and thank God, thank God this is true, all but the one true God, the creator of the heavens and the earth that made you and made me, that made all of us. He made you, whether you know God or not, whether you're an atheist or you're agnostic or you believe in God. The question is, are you going to turn to him? Because deep down in your heart, you know that he exists. And listen to what the scriptures say about the one true God. This, he was the most selfless being and is the most selfless being that ever existed. In fact, he created the universe and he created us and gave us life that we might share the life that he has. In fact, Jesus says there's no greater love than this in John chapter 15, verse 13. He said there's no greater love than this than that one lay his life down for his friends. That's incredible love. And the scriptures say in 1 John 3.16, not John 3.16, which is great about God's love for the world and giving his son for the world, right? But 1 John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is. How we know what love is. I love this, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. That's how we even know what love is. Love isn't when a guy meets some girl drunk and says, I love you and gets her pregnant and then wants to kill the baby. Okay, love is God becoming a man and dying in our place. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, the latter part of the verse says, to him who loves us and freed us or released us from our sins by his blood. In Acts chapter 20, it says God redeemed the church by buying the church with his own blood. God became a man. And Chad mentioned this scripture in Philippians chapter 2. He didn't know I had this written down. He didn't, I didn't know he was going to reference it, but that's the Holy Spirit because it says, have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says, is God in the flesh. In the beginning, it says in John 1, 1, was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same, it was the beginning with God. And all things came into being but by Him. Nothing that came into being came into being but by Him. And then in 1, 14, it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, why? how could God become a man? That's, that's an amazing God. Well, He's the creator of the universe. He could do that. He became the God-man. It says that we're to have this same attitude that Jesus Christ had, who although He existed in the very form or nature of God, did not regard equality with God something to be held onto. He let it go, okay? He was getting worshipped by all the angels up there, and he was born in a manger. It says he became poor so that we would become rich, amen? He had no place, Jesus said, to lay his head. The birds of the air have nests, and, and the foxes, they have their holes, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. But it says, but he emptied himself. He emptied himself, all that worship he was receiving, and taking the form of a bond, a servant, a doulos, and be made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He died the worst death that anybody could possibly die. The Bible says his face was more marred than any other man. They couldn't even recognize him when he rose from the dead because his face was so brutalized and he's resurrected with his scars. And this crazy thing is, he did that. He humbled himself the point of giving himself for you. That is love, man. So that really makes his, that makes his statement, basically it's an echo of the statement of Jason, right, Aaron, uh, about God's care about only themselves, right? That's why I want to kill all the gods. You know, that's basically him projecting himself and, and, and putting himself within his stories. And it's an echo of basically what Aaron believed, you know, not necessarily his exact words, but uh, finds itself in the movie. Well, they, they, those words ring really hollow when you apply it to the one true God. It says, for this reason, 
for this reason, meaning God dying the, the most incredible death ever, taking on, it was the most radical death that you could possibly uh, experience because he, he, he died for the sins of the world. That means your sins, my sins, all of our sins were put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It says he gave himself as a ransom for all. It says he tasted death for everyone. He says it was propitiation not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. You know, it's absolutely amazing. It says, for this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow at uh, those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. I mean, how great is that love? I love Romans chapter five, verses six through eight. It says, for while we were still helpless, when we're helpless, man, we couldn't save ourselves, man. We couldn't save ourselves from the hell that we deserve. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Amen. For one, he will, uh, for one will hardly die for a righteous man. It's hard to find someone that will die for anybody, especially a, even one that will die for someone that's a righteous man. Although perhaps for a good man, someone might dare even to die. It might happen here and there. But God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, rebels, children of wrath, antagonistic, blasphemers. He says, Christ died for us. That just blows me away. And I hope Jason Aaron gets saved before it's too late because he's in huge trouble because the Bible says we're going to get exactly what we deserve if we reject the grace of God that we could have. Job In Jonah chapter 2, it talks about those who cling to worthless idols reject or forfeit the grace of God that could be theirs. You see, but God's word says that God loves everyone. He loves the entire world. The scriptures say that he wills that none would perish, but that all would come to repent in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. And 1 Timothy 2, 4 says that God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11, the Lord God says, and he says this because people were under false understanding, thinking, guess what? They couldn't be saved, that they were predetermined uh, to be damned because they were uttering a false proverb saying the children's teeth are set on edge because of the sins of their parents. They're thinking, we're, there's no way we can get right with God. There's no way we can be saved. And the Lord says, tell them, don't use that proverb anymore. And he says, tell them this. He says, say to them, as I live, says the Lord, that I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from his evil way and live. And he says, turn ye, turn back. He says, why then will you die, O house of Israel? Why then will you die? Why then will you perish? Why then will you forever go into, whether it's a belief of some form of predeterminism because of the sins of your parents, or whether it's a predetermined based on some kind of false theology, like Calvinism tells you that most people don't even have a real choice to go to heaven, and they could choose God anyway because Jesus didn't die for everyone's sins, supposedly. That's a lie from the pit of hell, man. Jesus died for you. Jesus gave himself for you. And if you would recognize that you're a sinner and admit the truth, which we all know, about ourselves and everyone else, that you're a sinner, and you, and you all of a sudden respond and say, man, I need help. You recognize that God, God provided the way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. The Bible says there's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And there's only one name given under heaven whereby men must be saved, and that's the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Call upon the name of Jesus right now. Because as we read, Chad, right there it says, clear as day in Philippians chapter 2, that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You are going to confess him as your Lord, whether on earth, in heaven, or under the earth, in hell. Our prayer is that you confess him right now as Lord, so you'll be able to confess him in his presence forever, so you won't be forced to confess him as the Lord in the eternal lake of fire. Do it now. Receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior now before it's too late. That's our heart's cry for you. Our prayer is for your salvation. If you've already done that, continue to lift up the name of Jesus and avoid movies that exalt false gods like Thor and others. Amen. God bless you guys. Praise the Lord. 
Love you guys. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.